what horrors. Colin, Colin, we haven't we haven't uh, heard from you in so long. Yeah, Where have I'm you so, been? I'm so sorry. I was really busy today. I actually just got back from Olympia. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had a big day. Oh, it, tell it, us all about it. It was a lot of fun. I was with just so many like-minded patriots. <laughs> and it felt good. It felt really good to be out there in the sun on the steps of the Capitol in Olympia. Just, wow. oh man, it, it, was, it, was, it was a fantastic time. Just out there, not being shredded on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, if you want to see, you can actually check out um, Colin in. There's a photograph, photo from a PBS story. There's probably other photos up. Um, and if you look like the one I'm looking at, Colin is um, he. His back is to the camera, so you can't see his face. But I so, but I know him by his sort of build and his his black hair. Um, uh, he's wearing a sort of biker cutoff leather vest, uh, with a big patch on the back with like the snake from the Gadsden flag. And it says libertarians, liberty or death libertarians. I guess that's your biker gang, Colin. Uh, well, yeah. His club. Yeah. 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 Whatever. That's right. Thank yeah. you, Brian. His, his, uh, club. cycling club. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I see you're right. You have your probate standing right next to you here. So, and you guys brought your banner, your Q Patriots banner. So that's cool too. Yeah. Well, where we go one, we go go all, Brian. <laughs> First rule of a motorcycle club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I've just been crushed under the weight of uh, domesticity <laughs> uh, and uh, having macaroni and cheese every day, sometimes twice a day. You know that scene in The Watchmen where Rorschach gets incarcerated and he's like, uh, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> that's what it's like having a toddler. Uh, cool. But that's about it's about to ease up, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's smooth sailing from here until Tuesday when the next baby is supposed to get here. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. That's what the stork delivery is, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it hasn't been postponed uh, due to coronavirus. No. Um we have uh we have a plan. It could it could get postponed based on availability of rooms because we're actually going to do an induction. Um but we'll see. So Tuesday the 21st is is the plan unless she comes sooner. Mhm. Cool. Um yeah, I you know I was talking to uh, our buddy Jay today, and he was like, uh, "Let's we should root for tomorrow, four twenty, man." Yeah, they all are. That, that's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, somebody called her Adolfina, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that also the anniversary of Columbine? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just a great day. All around. Yeah. My aunt's day. birthday. It's my aunt Nancy's birthday. Oh, man. Well, uh, that's great. And I people, if they want to show solidarity with Colin, they can uh, stream Mr. Mom on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, Colin, if you, for some reason, just cut out in the middle of this episode, like you just vanish, we'll know yeah. that the kid's here. You've had to rush to the hospital. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, you were at least a, uh, at least a part-time uh stay-at-home dad before the yeah coronavirus crisis so you know, this yeah. isn't all new to you no it's not new it's just more and as you both mm -hmm. know uh i've been working nights so 
instead of having more time, I've had less time than maybe ever in my entire life. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, are you like somehow like working full time now? Yes, the- I'm working the exact same amount of hours. I just work a full day with. Well, now I don't because my wife is on leave. But until Friday, uh, up till Friday, I was uh, hanging with my daughter for the full day till she went to sleep. Sometimes, as you know, at like 10 p.m. And then logging on two and a half hours or do more some coding. of mm-hmm. work. Yeah, it rocked. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that oh, rules. Cool. That's great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, Sounds boy. Good. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait till uh, little Z is old enough to go to, uh, you know, um, to strap on a gun and, you know, open carry at a protest at the Capitol. With her oh, dad. Yeah, you mean like today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, she's behind the Q banner. That's right. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, on my shoulders holding a gun, shooting it into the air. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yelling, live free or die. have a return guest codename tanya esquire is here to, <laughs> to fill us in about uh the life of a lawyer in she's not here now well okay she was here <laughs> i was to be perfectly frank i was not here when she was here <laughs> yeah but she was here she was here on the boat with all of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> breaking quarantine <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, we've got we didn't we've got um, an interview with Codename Tanya backed by popular demand. Um, Enjoy, Greg. How you doing? Still in quarantine? Yeah, still in quarantine. Uh, you know, just uh, going bleary eyed, looking at like DIY sailboat refit YouTube, um, and like reading like. <laughs> Uh, technical like manuals on like fiberglass layup and like epoxy and like yeah just uh living it man cool that yeah, oh, that sounds like something to, yeah it sounds like something a detective would read out as they're investigating your suicide <laughs> i am also enjoying quarantine and that bren is making a lot of bread and uh i am eating it but we also have a guest yes a guest on our quarantine podcast uh, we got uh, Tanya, the official lawyer, whose advice and information is always completely actionable, and you should consider legal advice. Our uh, lawyer, she's our official podcast, representing us. Our, in all our of our, uh, you know, interactions with the courts. Yeah, Code she tells Tanya. she represents us first and foremost. All right, so all other clients take a back seat. We're number one. We have our own right? retainer. I've been assured this. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. true. <laughs> Uh, how are you enjoying quarantine, Tanya? Um, I'm also reading all about sailboats. Really? No, just kidding. Craig oh. um, <laughs> got so excited for just a second. It's like, I found someone who can understand. Um, probably similar to everyone else, like a mixture of like, you know, it's not totally horrible to be uh, forced to do nothing, but also it is sort of to- totally horrible to be forced to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. at least Do since you, we're uh, not like, you know, at least since the courts have been shut down and we're not like rounding up um, people for petty bullshit crimes anymore, you, you're pretty much just staying at home, right? 
Oh, I'm ready to retire, actually. Yeah, they just decided they don't need public defenders because oh, there's good. no more crime. There's no people in jail. Oh, good. Well, that, guys, we did it. Uh, the, criminal justice. The silver lining of, of COVID-19. Yeah, police jails both abolished. Uh, well, We're this is mainly a celebratory show. Yeah, it's a celebratory show. We're just going to pop the champagne. Uh, yeah, Tanya's happy she doesn't have to go to work anymore. Um, just I'll have to find a new line of work, like sailboat racing. <laughs> That's why you're reading up on sailboats. Well, now, hang on. <laughs> what am I, I going to do next? Say, yeah. I didn't say that we had solved crime. I said we weren't like, you know, sensibly we weren't prosecuting uh, petty crimes and jailing people anymore. And we were just letting, as I would, you know, like to see it like crime run rampant. Uh, as um, Look out the window. You'll see yeah, a crime. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, like just uh, looks, I mean, this is from way back in April 6th, but uh, on my Northwest you know, Jason Rant's uh, transcript here says, titled, uh, Seattle Burglary Explodes 87% Downtown After a Coronavirus Policy Crisis. Uh, so, wow. yeah, I guess like, oh, after coronavirus Staggering numbers. policy comma crisis, because it's about um, the, uh, the policy from the city to not... Um, book anyone for misdemeanors um so crime is just running rampant and uh because we're not prosecuting anything or jailing anybody which i'm good by me so it's kind of interesting because um so dan satterberg our head prosecutor in seattle king county um he has created some policies that would sound similar to what you're describing however despite him being the head of his office apparently his lower level attorneys who actually do the charging and filing of cases uh, didn't hear about those policies and are not following them. <laughs> so there's oh. some, there actually are some. What? So crime some, uh, is good still being rating. Crime is, um, so for Superior Court, Dan Satterberg told the New York Times, the failing New York Times, um, <laughs> that only serious and violent offenses are being prosecuted. So then, you well, would assume like, like um, car prowling and burglary happen. and petty theft. Those are serious. And interestingly, and in the law, so. um, crimes <laughs> serious and violent are, aren't just um, willy nilly adjectives that you can attribute to car thefts. They're actually statutorily defined. Um, there's serious crimes. Well, there's sorry. There's violent crimes and there's serious violent. Those are statutorily defined, um, but. That's not the definition that the head lawyer, the head prosecutor is going by. He's apparently just filing. I mean, they're not filing as many cases as um, as they usually do, but that it took a really long time for them to stop because they um, they operate sort of in a backlog. So filing decisions that they do a few weeks ago come to arraignment like 14 days after they file them. So it took at least two weeks, if not more, for the flow of stupid ass cases to slow um yeah well, and, it, so, and it would be impossible to put a pause onto that right right like they, <laughs> they act as if it's decisions. a stream of water and if they tried to stop it then well it would i be, mean yeah. right like it would just be a waterfall of crime because if you're saying that they are in fact slowing the prosecutions and i'm looking at this number quoted from spd uh burglaries up 87 percent that means like there's almost double the crime and we're prosecuting less of it that means like um like an enormous number of heinous of the criminal class are just going sort of um, unwhipped. 
That's what you would think. I also saw an article in the Seattle Times about how you need to go out and check your car because most likely it's been stolen. <laughs> well, you were, <laughs> well, you were too busy uh, watching Netflix and chilling. Awesome. They've been stealing your cars. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. What a world we live in. Well, let's let's maybe go back to the beginning a little bit on this whole uh, uh, the courts and coronavirus. So, are the courts actually open? Like, are you like if you're doing your job, are you physically going into the buildings? So, um, I can only really speak to King County Superior Court. Um, mm-hmm. Although, obviously, I'm not speaking for them. Blah blah. blah legal disclaimers. I my opinions are Tanya's alone. Um, <laughs> the courts are open, so there's. A few cases, um, law cases, one is called, referred to as Bone Club, and one is cl- referred to as Ishikawa. Ishikawa. Um, those are both Supreme um, Court of, of Washington decisions about open courts doctrine. So basically, We need to know more about Bone Club. I know, it's a pretty great name, and I don't really know the history of it. <laughs> but you, judges are supposed to conduct what is called a Bone Club analysis before they close courts to the public, which is generally um, a good thing. The Seattle Times was the plaintiff in the Ishikawa case. It was like, Seattle Times versus the Shikawa, um, because I think that, you know, it must have involved something where they were not letting reporters report on a case and the Seattle Times mm-hmm. sued. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially, it's very hard to close courts if you're um, doing anything in them. They have, well, first of all, I want to start out by saying that King County was extremely slow to react to all of this. So in the time when Jay Inslee was telling um, ordering people to stop gathering in groups um, of 250 and then 50. And then I think it was 10, which itself um, was a slow of course we're still, it was slow and a little bit perhaps too slow. Um, courts were operating as usual and there were some, especially the stranger had some good attention to that. Um, there was a picture that someone took of defendants waiting in 1201, which is the main criminal courtroom in Seattle, and then there are also the main criminal courtroom in Kent was also just business as usual. It was packed. The way the courtrooms packed with the criminal the class. This, were the judges true, and also, wearing PPE? <laughs> also, us poor lawyers had to. Did they have well. I mean, were the prosecutors? Did the prosecutors, the judges, and the bailiffs get masks? Is my first and only. So question. interestingly, no one was at all protected um, during this stupidity. <laughs> of, mm-hmm. But gen- generally speaking, all of those people, cases. I mean, except the poor bailiffs, probably, you know, managed, you know, the prosecutors and the judges probably manages, managed to keep a safe distance from the criminal class generally, even in the courtroom. And that is very key um, to understand just like the physical layout of a courtroom. Um, in both 1201 and GA, which is the main courtroom in Kent, uh, the judges are probably like 20 feet back and they're also kind of elevated. Um, they kind of sit at the along maybe like the wall of the courtroom and then the um, lawyers are on each side of the courtroom. And then there's a glassed in area behind them where all the um, people who are out of custody and anyone who's watching are. Oh. Um, and then they come in like one by one into the courtroom and sit with the defense attorney. So a and barrier... usually these courtrooms are completely packed with attorneys. Like there's usually like, depending on the kind of calendar, there can be 20 prosecutors and 40 defense attorneys in this like tiny room that probably should hold like 15 people in general. Um, <laughs> so that's so, like the biggest clusterfuck hearing is called omnibus happens on Fridays. And I think that's where they took the picture. But when Jay Inslee was like, there should be, you know, no gatherings of more than 10 people. There were like 50 lawyers in this fish box room. 
Um, Hell yeah. And this one old attorney actually brought in two yardsticks taped together to show six <laughs> feet. And he was kind of like doing it as a joke. And at first the jail was like, you can't bring that in here because the jail is in there in the courtroom too, to like, you know, making sure mm-hmm. that everything is quote unquote safe, even though we're all mm-hmm. <laughs> breathing in coronavirus. <laughs> So they wouldn't um, let him bring his like prop for prop. So they wouldn't let him bring his prop, prop in, but then in, yeah. I heard that later yeah. the jail actually asked to like borrow it <laughs> so that they could like <laughs> see what it actually would look like to put people six feet apart. Um, wow. But fast forward to now. Stepping well, up, the protectors of our society. <laughs> right. Keeping us safe. And you mm-hmm. know, like in individual jail guards defense, like I don't think any of them like <laughs> made any of these decisions or necessarily want to uh, be mm-hmm. <laughs> in this uh, cesspool. Be jailed. But um, what it took was that the Washington State Supreme Court wrote an order that basically paused um, most civil and most criminal cases until first it was April 24th, and then they extended it last week to May 4th. Oh, so it's like rent. So like, like, it's not pause, but when this is all over, you're, the hammers, the book's going to come down it. on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's also kind of true for uh, the attorneys who work in the court system because everything is pushed, but nothing is gone. So it's going to oh, be, cool. whenever this reopens, it's going to be a disaster. Like <laughs> about two years ago, we closed court for like a week or so during that mm-hmm. snowstorm. <laughs> and now like screwed a whole bunch of stuff up just like logistically. <laughs> so yes, but so if you're already maybe, like, so yeah. now yeah, are it's going to be a disaster at this point though. Are you, is there still stuff functioning in these courtrooms? Right. So I never finished. I never answered your question. Um, yes, court is open. It's limited. Um, but every day there are arraignments, which is when someone is newly charged the crime. It's like the mostly like their first hearing. Um, those are still happening for supposedly only for serious and violent offenses. But you can look online. There's a daily calendar that's posted and you can judge for yourself whether or not you think that the crimes being prosecuted are serious and violent. There's also an issue because the way uh, felony cases are filed in King County is that about maybe like a third of them are filed at summons, meaning that you get a letter in the mail saying uh, you have a court date and you got to show up at a certain date and time. But other uh, uh, other cases are filed at a, at a warrant. So the prosecutor decides a random number um, based on what they're saying is the likelihood that this person is going to commit another crime, going to interfere with justice. And it has to be a violent crime. So even though someone has only on the record a whole bunch of car thieves, car thefts Violence gets and cars. they're being accused of stealing a car, another car. They still yeah. have to make a finding that the person is substantially likely to commit a violent offense, even though <laughs> there's no basis yeah. to make that. Uh, anyway, the um, so they'll pick a random number <laughs> and the number is usually between $5,000 and $200,000 that they'll file the case at. Um, but not all of those cases, not all of those warrants get served immediately. So I'm getting some cases that were filed at warrant last year, and the person just got picked up by the police during this public health crisis. And it may not be oh, cool. a type of case that would be considered serious or violent, but those are still happening. Oh, cool. So you could basically have a warrant served on you, be dragged to the, you know, uh, the courtroom Petri dish. Uh, and then be locked up, you know, pending bail, right? Well, a exactly, because the calculation, um, for whatever reason, well, <laughs> we don't have to speculate um, of that reason, <laughs> but the, the court rule says that you must um, have your arraignment within 14 days after filing of the case. 
Um, but that also is like 14 days after you are in jail. So, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, and I'll let you speculate, um, the King County prosecutors, they're in charge of setting the dates and they always pick the 14th day. Interesting. So everyone basically who's in custody at the arraignment has been there for two weeks. Interesting. Well, that's, Interesting. That's just management, you know, practice. That's just like, you know, you don't, um, you don't pay your accounts till they're due, you know, like you leave yourself some, <laughs> some room there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what kind of, what kind of like, uh, you know, latitude are they giving to, you know, maybe not keep everybody in jail awaiting trial since, again, we're in the middle of the pandemic? So the um, prosecutor's office very generously went through their list of people <laughs> who are incarcerated waiting for their trial. And they picked a select few individuals who they believed could safely, quote unquote, safely be released from jail. Unsurprisingly, it was a very small amount, especially um, in felonies. It was I think they released a lot of people who were in jail on misdemeanor charges, which is also like, why are they in jail on misdemeanor charges? Yeah. That's a good question to ask <laughs> yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but they released a lot of people who were accused of property crimes um, and gave them varying degrees of notice about when their next court date is and uh, let them out and hope for the best. Um, mm-hmm. But that was only, I was estimated that was like about maybe a hundred ish people um, mm-hmm. they also have decreased the jail population by allowing people, um, quote unquote, allowing people who are serving department of corrections sanctions, uh, to serve those sanctions it, in department of corrections facilities instead of in King County jail. So there were people <laughs> who were not, um, not pretrial waiting for, uh, King County prosecutors to try them. They were people who were kind of under different jurisdiction they kicked them out but they're not they didn't free them (laughs) they just moved them yeah they just played like musical chairs with where like what jail they're in essentially (laughs) put them in a bus and them do another jail yeah and another like also kind of what we've been touching on but a a big problem with this is like the processing of people into jail is i would imagine like a public health no-no um (laughs) so if before the supreme court order when they were just doing business as usual um if you are out of custody and you are charged with a felony, you have to be booked into jail and then released. Basically, they mm-hmm. like take your fingerprints, take your picture, um, all that. But that, if, as you can imagine, that would be like an excellent way to like ensure that every single defendant in the criminal justice system is exposed to COVID-19, whether or not they are in jail or out of jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're forced to go into this Petri dish to do your processing, yeah. which takes a few hours. Cool, cool. So... Well, and- and there's kind of like a quiet admission that we have here too, right? And that like, you know, letting the hundred or so people out just to like go home that are awaiting trials up too. that. Uh, maybe we have just have a lot of people in jail just don't even fucking belong there in normal times. Right. Which is also kind of one of the, you know, bigger questions that all of these littler issues bring out. Like, for example, there's a really great Netflix documentary about how, called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Um, and it's about how it's really screwed up that all these like really hardworking immigrants and other sympathetic defendants are being uh, prosecuted for drug crimes when the um, toxicologist who tested the the drugs herself was actually a drug addict and using all of the evidence to get high. Um, (laughs) But then it never really took the next step where it was like, but if the toxicologist wasn't a drug addict using all the evidence to get high, it would be totally chill to (laughs) incarcerate Mm. these otherwise extremely sympathetic people. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when people are criticizing or improving the justice system in ways they 
usually don't take that next step where they're like, wait, but like, this is all actually really screwed up. <laughs> Why? What? Like jails are a public health disaster, even if there wasn't a pandemic, like tuberculosis in jails, MRSA's in jails, yeah. tons and tons mm-hmm. of diseases that most people never like would get. Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> right. Yeah, other <laughs> exotic, uh, fun ones. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's interesting, too, this idea of, like, it'd be okay if the, uh, you know, examiner wasn't, you know, also, like, doing meth. But the thing is, it's just the bad apple thing, right? Nothing nothing in our justice system is ever bad on a systemic level. It's always just, right. you know, there's an individual with, like, doesn't have the moral fortitude for lady justice, and that's the problem. Right, right? so when you're, people are like, oh, my God, it's so inhumane that people have to be um, forced into these disgusting conditions during a pandemic. It's like, but it doesn't disgust you that they're forced in these conditions in a normal yeah. day. So, well, what's, what's it like for you then dealing? So you're a public defender, right? So what's it like for you dealing with your clients? And also, can you give us your clients names and the crimes they committed? <laughs> Definitely. I'll <laughs> fax over my official case list. Um, I guess I still haven't really answered your question though. Like if it, of course are open, um, they, they are open for certain things. They're open for, um, bail hearings, which is also touching okay. on what you were asking about. Um, people who are in custody have the right to ask for basically another bail hearing based on the pandemic. Um, although certain prosecutors who are um, hopefully going to be cursed forever and, you know, burn in eternity um, have been opposing mm-hmm. these jail requests saying that COVID-19 public health pandemic is not a quote change of circumstance, which actually isn't required for a bail hearing, but prosecutors think it is and judges think it is that if you, mm-hmm. if you already asked for out once and the judge said, no, you're supposed to be able to show a change of circumstance. Why you get to ask again? Yeah. Which obviously is pretty hard when you're sitting in jail because not a lot changes for you. <laughs> like you didn't usually yeah. like, get a job or like you know become not homeless when you've been sitting in jail. Well, um, it implies nothing could possibly be wrong with the original ruling, ruling. right? Oh, of, of that you should be in jail pending, you know, bail or not even you're denied bail, right? Yeah, yeah. But some of these uh, people who work under Dan Satterberg, the quote unquote liberal prosecutor, um, with a straight face, even write motions opposing the defendant's right to even ask for another chance at freedom during a public health pandemic. So I wish the best for those people. And, you know, certainly <laughs> don't hope that they rot in hell forever and ever and ever. And all their loved ones also die of COVID-19. <laughs> Never thought of that. I mean, Hey, if they want to keep coming <laughs> yeah, to I mean, court and prosecuting these people, I mean, you know, it's on them if they uh, end up dying of, of COVID. Well, now a lot of the, a lot of the, so of course King County, which is, um, you know, in Seattle's in King County, which is the tech center of the world, they have not figured out how to, um, do like zoom court, <laughs> at least for yeah, yeah. court. A lot of like smaller jurisdictions have got it all down. And it's obviously there's, I believe there's a lot of issues with have like deciding issues of Liberty over the computer. Like, I think it's a great value to look someone in the eye when you're, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about what you're going to do, but it is still probably better than the phone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Our only option right now is either come in into court and, you know, without any PPE, there's like a perpetually empty Purell container uh, in the courtroom (laughs) that everyone touches, you know, to try to get it out. (laughs) Isn't it funny that every job in America has the same empty Purell container for their uh, employees? Seriously. (laughs) So you're forced between choosing to do that or go over the phone, which is like, I've only done a few phone hearings because I either. Um, we'll hand it off to an attorney who's there in person mm-hmm. or we'll go in in person to do my own hearing. But it's just extremely disorienting. <laughs> so uh, they use this like kind of like a party line, like a call in line for a courtroom. So they have like a 1-800 number and then you have to put in your code and press pound. But so they also, this, yeah. the same line is available for like the public defenders, 
Um, I think the prosecutors are on the same one, although I wouldn't be like shocked if they had their own private line. Um, but there's also interpreters and family and friends of the clients who are having their hearings. <laughs> so the one hearing I did, was like this guy's mom was on the line um, and she like did not understand that she was being broadcast in open court, even though I kept trying to politely tell her. Um, and she also didn't <laughs> understand how to like mute her phone. I think she thought that she would not be able to hear if her phone was muted. So she had her mm-hmm. phone off mute and she had like another phone that like kept getting other calls during the court hearing. <laughs> and the judge would be like, ma'am, you have to like mute your phone. And she's like, but it's my daughter-in-law. I'm going to answer it. <laughs> it was like a just complete like disaster. Oh, and I'm like, you know, God. everyone can hear you and they can't do their own hearing. But yeah, yeah, so I'm like doing my argument to get my client released. And then this lady's like crazy <laughs> ringtone is going off. And then she's like answering and she's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And I'm like, oh. do I stop talking? Like, is anyone <laughs> listening to me? <laughs> Oh uh, so it was really disorienting. I did get that client out of jail, but <laughs> I don't hey, think it was. Much. There's a win. Yeah, it was well, successful, but I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I love that because, like, uh, you know, obviously I have to do sort of Zoom conferences or whatever, mainly with people in my department. Mm-hmm. But and we have all the same disasters of people's phones are ringing, people like have the shit unmuted and they're like having a conversation with somebody, so it, like fucks up the entire like, <laughs> thing. But the only thing that happens is that the the stuff we weren't going to do anyways were is not getting done. But like whether we had the Zoom call or not, that would have been the case. Uh, <laughs> it's a little different when it's like this is going to determine whether somebody's sitting in a cage. <laughs> like yeah. literally in me- within an hour, whether that person will be inside a cage. And certain uh, so, judges uh, have like been really horrible on release. Um, based on COVID-19, mm-hmm. like they're, it just, you can just feel these people are going to be such on the wrong side of history. Because like, this was mm-hmm. maybe like three weeks ago. I was sitting in a courtroom during a bond hearing and this judge was just denying every single person's request for, for release, either saying that A, they hadn't provided proof of their medical condition, like basically saying that I don't believe a word that comes out of you or your lawyer's mouth. Um, mm-hmm. It's also pretty hard to provide proof because you, to get quote unquote proof, um, the public defender would need to get a release of information, like a medical release, and then contact that person's doctor. So A, you're asking the person to go, the public defender to go into the jail and like share a pen with a person in jail. So bringing first of all, the public defender's germs into jail, and then also, you know, exposing the public defender to the um, mm-hmm. germs in the jail. So that's probably also like not advised. They, our department told us to like limit trips to the jail to like necessities um and then also then you'd have to get hold of someone's doctor which like i don't know yeah, if yeah. anyone remembered but like there's a public health pandemic if you like call your doctor's <laughs> office they're not like oh hey how can we help you they're like Is yeah, yeah, we time hang like, okay hang up so no. <laughs> she would either say we don't have proof that your client has high blood pressure diabetes all these other huge um, you know, mm-hmm. correlating factors of death with COVID-19. Or she would be like, well, you know, you're, there's no evidence that you're under 65 and there's no evidence that you're going to be, at, you know, at any greater risk than anyone else. But obviously now, like three weeks later, <laughs> there's like so yeah. many news stories about like completely healthy people who have dropped dead or been otherwise horribly affected. Well, well, and that's the beauty of like the American criminal justice system is it, you know, no matter what part of it you choose to look like. So if you're weird like me and you just want to read cop magazines, uh, you look at these people and you think these are the worst human beings have ever fucking lived. But if you also want to like learn about prosecutors and you really look into that, you'll be like, these are the worst human beings that ever fucking lived. And if you look at judges, they'll <laughs> say the exact same thing. And it's just this beautiful like symmetry of the criminal justice system that they it's a conglomeration of all the worst human beings that have ever existed. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, the, you know, the first death in um, in the Chicago jail. They I saw an article saying that the public defender had mo- motioned for his release had been denied. It's like you just hope that these judges like 
at least our mm-hmm. first. Maybe you kind of hope they feel bad. Obviously, they don't, but you hope that at least they'll get <laughs> eternal. Yeah, something bad will happen to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not like to believe in like religion. I don't, but it's kind of the only way you can like you know. Yeah, yeah well, okay when there's when no people are doing like when there's no power to actually. Um, send these people where they people. where they should be. Well, I mean, right. you just have to. where there's no politics available to really combat this, um, to get rid of these judges, to get rid of these um, prosecutors. You know, like, like yeah. And if you read the comments on any of these articles, yeah, people are upset that anyone's even getting released or. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I know in New York. I mean, they were you know throwing a giant like you know anti-release uh, you know propaganda campaign <laughs> in the middle of like New York being the worst you know like COVID nineteen hotspot in the fucking planet. Um, right. Yeah, and it's cool. just also people think that it's not gonna like they basically think that there's that we have a leper colony of the jail and it's not gonna impact anyone else's health. So even if you don't mm-hmm. give a shit about these people. It's a really bad idea to have a hot spot of um, coronavirus in a community that's otherwise like sort of social distancing and has it mm-hmm. otherwise sort of under control because people get released from jail. Corrections officers work in jail and return home. Public defenders work in jail and return home. Like this is not a good thing for anyone, even yeah, if you don't give a shit about the individual who are incarcerated. That's basically health, like no, no. That's basically in the end like saying. All these, this entire, you know, this enormous prison population, these people in uh, this generation of people in prison for life on like three strike drug charges, um, you know, that's it's like saying these people have families and communities that have been devastated by this um, or like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these people are human beings like. The people who who want these people to stay in prison, to go to go there and stay there and die there you know right. see themselves not, as completely <laughs> isolated from the their the imagined criminal class you know like if you're this shithead who's like we shouldn't be releasing anybody you know keep them in there let them die you know you're probably a suburban uh well enough off that you feel like you're safe and protected um that you are not a part of a community um that you are a human being and the poors aren't and that that if we just got rid of all of them, your life would be the same and better, you know? So like you're totally disconnected well, from anything. You're, you're a piece of, of human garbage, basically. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, the, it's, it's the sort of suburban logic too. Like if, you know, to make another tortured metaphor or something, it's like if you were in the coal mine and somebody showed you the dead canary, but you're like, I don't live next to any canaries and <laughs> just kept working. Right. Like it's a complete inability Finders, to see the crisis yeah. coming because you just don't give a, you just care so little about like everything around you. <laughs> and, and at the end yeah. of the day, you know, they're probably not wrong in a lot of ways. Some, and they'll be able to get through this entire thing you know, believing and not having not be proved wrong, you know, like if you're uh, able to work from home or if you're able to, you know, sit in your suburban home and, and collect unemployment or whatever, um, or you're ret- like an old retired shithead who this isn't really affecting, um, you know, you maybe you'll get unlucky and you'll get it and you'll get sick or you'll die or people, you know, will, but probably, you know, a lot of the worst people will just get through it just fine and right. uh it, they'll they won't be wrong but they are isolated and um not connected communally to uh the poorest sort of most 
vulnerable, most preyed upon people preyed upon by our sort of police state. Although I do think though that, well, this kind of, I guess is changing subjects, but I think that's fine. Um, just to the fact that, so right now the jail is denying that there have been any positive cases. Um, there is some speculation that the jail is moving anyone who may be positive to a hospital. And so letting the numbers say, well, there's no positive people in our jail. Yeah. Um, but by all accounts, like we've been really lucky because even if they're distorting the numbers, I think it would become very obvious if everyone was super sick, the way it's become mm-hmm. very obvious in Cook County, in Chicago and in Rikers mm-hmm. in New York. It's very hard to cover up, you know, people's <laughs> dying. Um, yeah. but no, I do that think the difference that, though, right? Because at Rikers, I, th- aren't they just basically treating everyone who gets sick there in the prison medical facilities and no one's leaving. So, you know, that may be the, that could be the, the entire difference here potentially is that they are just, be, they're, they're but, getting people um, out of medical care, you know? But I don't think that that goes to in hand with like what we think we know about the virus, which is that like you can be asymptomatic and spread it and that you can mm-hmm. spread it before you're actually sick enough to like go to the hospital. Yeah. So I don't really know what's going on. Obviously it's a black hole of information, but I think we've been really lucky, but I don't think it's going to like why there's no logic that would like spare King County jails from this disease when like nursing homes, et cetera, have not been. So there's no reason to believe the luck will hold out. Right. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. Right. I think that we are overdue and we've been extremely lucky, but it's going to happen where the population is going to be exposed because how could it not? Like, there's mm-hmm. no actual way to social distance in jail. You have no freedom of movement. You sh- share confined spaces with other people. The whole, you know, the way jails work yeah. <laughs> is yeah. the opposite of social distancing. Because how could, you know, for to have, how could you have anyone power and control over people who are not all in one group? <laughs> like, if everyone's spread out, they could <laughs> yeah, yeah, escape exactly. or whatever, quote unquote. Um, but I think that we are overdue for a really scary and tragic situation in these jails and i think that that is gonna set back um whatever like progress we've made because we've seen this you know comes in months multi-month waves and if we have delayed it so far in the jail that's obviously good but i don't think it's going to be permanent and i think we're going to see the ripple effect of that um setting back the quote progress that uh king county and the state have made with keeping people inside yeah if it gets rampant in the jail right it's going to leak out of the jail absolutely you know yeah and it'll yeah well it'll cause another you yeah you created like a hot spot essentially yeah and it will be yeah so (laughs) um there also was the supreme court at washington issued a directive for um jay Inslee to reduce the population of the department of corrections so that's Mm -hmm. another humongous um hot spot and situation that i think is also going to be extremely um dramatic just in the way this this virus spreads because they already have confirmed cases in the department of corrections and there's mm-hmm. so many people in the department of corrections versus local jails like i don't know the number i probably could have googled that before the show never researched but it's enormous like because I did look up the King County uh, jail stats. Right now, there's um, 1,263, so 1,263 
people mm-hmm. in King County Jail, adults and 26 kids. Um, it was reduced by about a third um, in the past since March 13th. So the past about a month. Um, but not all of it's just due to them release people. A lot of it's due to movement of quote unquote inmates to DOC, um, people accepting guilty pleas and getting released, or people just having served their sentence and getting released. And then some of it is due to the um, agreed releases from the prosecutor's office and also due to the unagreed releases that the public defenders bring in front of the mm-hmm. judge and the judge sides with the public defender. There's also been a humongous increase in electronic home monitoring and other pretrial services. Like right oh, now cool. there's, there's like room for about a hundred folks to be on ankle bracelet. And now there's like 300 folks. So it's like they're operating on a shoestring. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you did, I wanted to highlight in that list of things you, you did mention there is a cheat code, right? Which is <laughs> uh, if you just, take a plea bargain and plea guilty uh they'll let you out of the petri dish so that that's cool yeah there's um for you know people who are lucky enough to be accused of crimes that don't carry humongous sentences um there was definitely a wave of releases um because that's one of the few court hearings that are that are allowed or pleas mm-hmm. and sentencings that result in release in the near future so i had a kid who was um not from here he was accused of some domestic violence situation that like we basically had his girlfriend recanting everything like she would didn't want any of this prosecuted she was like i made it up i was pissed off he had a new girlfriend blah blah but he's like mm-hmm. he's like well i <laughs> i can sit in here but my trial is postponed until at least april 24th and this is like early march mm-hmm. um or i can plead guilty to some stupid misdemeanors i didn't do but i can be home with my family and like maybe not die so he chose that path um there's also mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens down the road because in order to make um, a constitutional guilty plea, you must be making the plea freely and voluntarily. So I can imagine challenging pleas such as that one, whether or not it was entirely free and voluntary when your options are pretty slim. Yeah, you're in the middle of a pandemic um, you know, you know, in a Petri dish. And like the lack of information, I think, is also just really upsetting um, to think mm-hmm. about. I've had clients who have various health conditions that don't necessarily correlate with COVID-19, but how the frick are they supposed to know that? Right. Like they're like, I have like hepatitis B. Does that Mm -hmm. increase my risk? Like it sure sounds like it should. I'm quote sick, you know? So, um, I don't think it actually does. Like I was trying to do some research for my bail argument, but imagine feeling like you don't need, you can't even Google like your preexisting condition and COVID-19 and see what you get. Well, I think that's, this shows, you know, in regular times how awful this is, right? And that they can hold people pre-trial in a fucking cage and essentially dangle this. Hey, whether you're guilty or not, if you just say you're guilty. Right. And that's we'll a let huge, you out. especially in yeah. like misdemeanor practice. Um, yeah. The plea offers are very regularly like 30 days or less. And then your time mm-hmm. for trial is uh, 60 days. And that's best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like if no one, if there's no quote, good cause for a continuance. Um, mm-hmm. The fastest you're getting tried is 60 days from the time you set up your trial. Yeah. And so this becomes, you know, 60 days in jail, you know, of course, we're not arresting rich people, we're arresting poor people. So 60 days in jail means you don't have a place to live anymore. You don't have a job anymore, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's just, it's just especially perverse, again, with, in the middle of a pandemic when people are hearing about, you know, disease running rampant in jails across the country and stuff like that. And then basically, you know, and some fucking sleazy prosecutor coming up to you and being like, hey, you want to spend the next two months in this fucking box over here? Uh or do you want to just say you're guilty? Come on, say you're guilty, right? I mean, it's perverse. Yeah. Well, it's definitely perverse, but then it's also 
sometimes like it is a good idea. <laughs> like, I don't know what I would pick yeah. if it was me, but well, like, but yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to see why people pick it, right? right. I mean, Definitely like, not a bad the, idea. Well, like, I would not want to be leaving, leaving this out in jail. That's why they can't yeah. like let up on this stuff now, even during this pandemic, because ultimately, yes, this is, yeah, it's a public health risk and you're, um, it's even worse than normal to be uh, in jail right now, but it's a matter of degree still. It's being in jail mm-hmm. always sucks and it's always dangerous and it's always a public health problem. Um, so right. all of the, you know, and all these reasons that you wouldn't want to, that you would argue like, um, you know, that you shouldn't be going to jail right now. Like it's the same. It's just a matter of degree from how like barbaric our system normally is. So if they, you know, if they let up and just say, well, okay, like we let's roll back, you know, because all these let's just not keep people pre-trial in jail during this period because it would be bad for their health and we're you know it would be bad for these people like like that you that's you know then you shouldn't then that sort of acknowledges that these people are human beings that we should have some kind of consideration for them at all and that there's something wrong with there's some reasonable reason to not keep them locked up like they don't need to be there right and if you admit that they don't really need to be there for any reason uh whatever the reason is like then then what the fuck are they there for in the first place we should nobody should be held pre-trial it's insane it's uh it's a disgusting practice practice along with everything else about our uh criminal justice system but you know but to yeah so to let up on that now would be to admit that um to admit that there they this doesn't have to happen. Yeah, and I think that's one of the you know, bigger picture things that is everyone's going to put on a blind a blinder to. And I guess in some ways like I do think King County is uh at least the judges in Kent are doing like a somewhat okay job with release, although um <laughs> I've had some infuriating decisions made lately. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean they are they are letting people out um for this reason which is a good thing um and i guess it'll be interesting to see what happens um with like the people like whether people are going to like make it to their next court hearing especially as i think i mentioned before they had a court uh order that pushed everything out till april 24th and they extended it to, to may 4th so um people's court days have been moved multiple times and they haven't necessarily been told um mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting to see how it affects uh, people coming back. And then also obviously what the prosecutors are waiting for is to see if people are committing new crimes um, when they otherwise should have been in custody. I think there was a, some case out of like probably Florida or something like that, where someone who was released because of COVID-19 murdered someone. But then it's like, that kind of statistic is like so incredibly stupid though, because it's like, you know, who, who knows first of all, what they were held for. Like if they were held for one murder and then they got out and murdered someone else, like, sure. Good point. Like they probably shouldn't have been allowed to do that. But if they're held for, like, stealing a candy bar and then they got out and murdered someone, it's like, so did he want yeah. to give them the death penalty for that candy bar? Like, mm. Well, and it's, it's a false logic, too, right. of the idea of, like, you this one guy did this out. one. Yeah, yeah. when well, this one guy did this one thing once, and their basic argument is like, well, if we have to keep, you know, a thousand innocent people in jail... Right, we'll to prevent one, one murder, crime. let's do it. Like, obviously, yeah, which like, is... no crime would happen if every single person was, like... <laughs> yeah and it just becomes like a, a quick like ad hoc rationalization for putting people you don't like in prison right you right. know or taking the underclass and putting them in a cage um 
but yeah well um you know how, how do you think this how do you think the core system should be operating i guess i think we've hinted around it a little bit but how do you how do you think it should be operating right now well obviously i think releasing the vast majority of people makes sense um and then mm-hmm. i mean it depends if you're like an actual like, prison, prison abolitionist or not um but even if like the population was reduced uh, a lot then the jail would be safer too. Like there wouldn't be as many people mm-hmm. there and they would be able to actually practice some sort of the public health guidelines. Um, but I think it just is like a complete paradox as it stands. Like, I don't think that we can pause constitutional rights, but also keep people locked up. I think it has to be an either or it's either that the mm-hmm. pandemic is so bad that we can't incarcerate people and we can't try them for their accusations or it's not like it can't be both yeah which is the current state like the current state is that it's too dangerous and no one is going to be willing to come in and do a jury trial like no jurors are going to willing to come in and no witnesses are going to be willing to come in so we're going to pause your right to a speedy trial um Mm -hmm. but we're not going to you know mitigate the harm that we're causing by pausing your civil rights and i think they would probably say that they are by increasing the releases but where does that leave people who are not released Right, so there are still people yeah. being held pre-trial who are having their trial dates pushed by like a month, and that's just they're it's just gonna, be gonna so much more than a month. Also, I think that's right. Another that's thing. what I mean. But like, we haven't even gotten that far. But so there are people who are just potentially gonna be who at this point have blown past the normal, like even absurd rules for like being held pre-trial because their mm-hmm. dates have been pushed back, and there isn't along with that a blanket policy of release right mm. i think the government has to choose i think the government has to say we are protecting society by not having these trials so we have to release you they can't have it both ways it but seems pretty straightforward they can't have it both ways at this point. that's i mean that's that's yeah. that's that may be the of everything that, uh, that may be the most disturbing and disgusting thing in a system where people are already kept you know and and we've talked to you before like you can be stuck in there for a long time procedurally before your trial that now during right. this, they're just having it just sort of arbitrarily kicked down a month, 30 days at a time. Uh, and you're still sitting there rotting in jail, having been convicted of nothing like, uh, right. And a- I think that it's kind of the same, uh, same rage that people are feeling, um, outside of jail, where it's like the government told me I can't go to work. Um, but then they are telling me I still have to pay my bills. <laughs> Which, like, it's not yeah. fair. And like people are feeling that like fundamental like paradox of listening to the rules versus existing in capitalism. Well, uh, the, the mask the is sort of Yeah, yeah. The mask is sort of falling off right on how uh you know, one, the the system is essentially arrayed against you. Right. <laughs> and that you're like fucked, right? And this yeah, the idea. And that the government yes, isn't isn't here to help you. Right. They <laughs> The federal government, I mean, people probably have given up on some, most people, but like you would think that liberal, somewhat wealthy Washington state could like figure out a way to actually support people who are out of work, et cetera, but does not appear they have. No. It's just not on the Well, we only have like... It's not even in the realm of (laughs) political imagination, any of this stuff. I mean, that's what's, that's what this demonstrates so clearly is like... in the, this again, this just already disgusting situation of holding people 
you know, for long periods on un, not unconvicted pretrial that you that 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 can't even that it's still outside of the political imagination to not to that you have to keep some of these people still even as their dates are being pushed back in the middle of this pandemic. I mean, that just tells you that the limit there is a hard limit on sort of political ideas to to even like consider uh the rational like humane choices here absolutely oh man well that's cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean i i think it's it's similar to the uh the refusal to like freeze rents and things like that i one of the things we talked a little bit off mic was that uh we brought up the jason rants 87 percent increase in crime which is you know anytime you get a number from old jason it's you know (laughs) take with an enormous grain of salt but there is some truth to the fact that you know we have no safety net for anybody uh everybody's unemployed or clearly marching into a depression and they've done they uh, apparently there's a thing in the Seattle times they've allowed landlords to actually keep raising everybody's rent so not even just like <laughs> you know or, you well, that, know, can't even hope that, for a rent freeze that has come out. I, think now, I think as of a yeah. few days ago in Washington state if i'm not mistaken there is now a freeze a proclamation a, a new proclamation from the thing, that kind of bothered me too though cuz like shouldn't they be like lowering rents since like yeah no of course no down? again it's so <laughs> now they're like not allowed to. this is just sort of <laughs> a Wait, are we saying supply and demand doesn't work thing right yeah no it's absurd <laughs> like yeah but no apparently there was a yeah a new proclamation from Inslee saying you can't raise rent uh, going Which is forward. like really? Do we have to like say this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. Like, it's, well, apparently we did. Apparently we yeah. did. Well, yeah. that and like this idea too that I mean, even a rent freeze, it's like nobody has a fucking job, nobody has any money coming in. There's right. no social safety net, and it's like there actually could be you know a crime wave or something after this or whatever because of how like desperate. destitute yeah. they made people and desperate. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, think also that's... like also just the way that um, I don't know what I was talking about before, but. When you when you're when the society and the government that you are living in does not treat you with respect and does not follow its own rules, like you know, work hard at your job and you'll do okay. Like when all of that mm-hmm. goes backwards, like why are we expecting individuals to be like, okay, I'll still respect private property laws and like not take advantage of loopholes or whatever that I can see when it's like so clear that everyone around you is benefiting? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the upper class is benefiting. Yeah, when it's very when clear that they, all paid. rich people have broken many laws and. Um, uh, done mm-hmm. many crimes against humanity and nature to get where they are. <laughs> right. It's a very, it seems very hard to ask people to be like, no, everything is like completely horrible, but you got to still play by the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, I got in them, you know, Fuck the rules. but also um, the definition of burglary is very broad. Um, oh yeah. I want to hear about this. Cause oh, like I did want to actually seriously get into that. We actually said this, uh, this was actually on the recording, Brian, but uh, yeah, this whole, this, Eighty-seven percent increase in the West Precinct in burglaries rate. Like that's got to be some insanely juke statistic. Uh, yeah, tell us about that. So there's a few different types of burglary. First of all, in there's three felony burglaries. There's one is called burglary in the second degree, which is you basically you enter um, unlawfully into a premise with the intent to commit a crime within, but the premise is not um, a, a residence. So that's like if you break into a business. Um, there's also something called commercial burglary, which is similar to that. Um, but if you like break into a business or a scrapyard, um, that could be burglary in the second degree. That also could potentially be trespass, which is a misdemeanor. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll see cases that are pretty clearly trespass charged as a burglary because mm-hmm. 
the police are inferring that the person had an intent to commit a crime, whereas like maybe they're just trying to like <laughs> mm-hmm. be somewhere. Well, well, and there's also that classic sort of prosecutor thing of, oh, we'll make it burglary so they plead down to trespass, right? right. You know, yeah. you give them the highest thing to get to get the lowest. So then it sounds like a really good deal to plead guilty for like yeah. going somewhere that you didn't know you couldn't go. Um, yeah, there's exactly. also residential burglary, which is like entering into someone's house. Um, but there's also burglary in the first degree, which would be um, where you were either armed with a deadly weapon or you assault someone um, in the home or anywhere. So that's yeah. obviously the most serious type of burglary is if you are armed and or assault someone. But so, lo- I'm willing to bet that most of these burglaries are the burglary in the second degree, which is you enter into like a closed or abandoned area and like grab some scraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, or yeah, I mean, whatever the case, it's, it's it's easy to, thing, like, and it, you know, it's easy you can, to mess with this statistic in some way anyway. Right. But also like, everyone is home right now. So like, I really don't think people are like, thinking it's a prime time to break into someone's house. <laughs> so that'd be like pretty stupid. And also they'd yeah. probably be calling that a lot more than a burglar. They'd probably be calling it a home invasion or like an assault. Or... Mm-hmm. Well, I think if Jason had something juicy to give, he would have given it. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is always the key with Jason is if he gives, if he says burglaries, but doesn't expound on it anymore, uh, it's nothing. <laughs> it's just some right. juiced bullshit. Yeah. I mean, cause you're right. Everybody's home. And you know, as we had joked earlier, like burglary is a pretty like solitary uh, <laughs> activity. <laughs> you tend not to burgle with other people. Yeah. Right. And like, <laughs> if they're trying to like kill you, that's one thing. But if they're trying to grab something from a, you know, usually people are probably looking for like a quote crime of opportunity. Like someone leaves their door unlocked and are not home. They're mm-hmm. not looking to like have an armed <laughs> encounter with someone standing their ground, which you can do in Washington. So yeah. good to know. Uh, yeah. Well, so that <laughs> what's funny about that is, so that, that quote came out on, I think this was actually, this, I think this was actually from Whitcomb on his show is where he got that number. The 87% was from Sean Whitcomb on the show. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, a week after that, April 13th, that was from the 6th, um, Seattle Times, shoplifting, theft, car prowls are down during coronavirus, comma, but there's still plenty for cops to do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> right. And also, like, if, you know, I, I just told you all that, like, the courts are essentially mostly closed, right, during this time. Mm-hmm. There's some hearings happening, but, like... When they're saying that burglaries are up, what they're saying is like people arrested for burglary or like reports of burglary are up because no one in the time of COVID nineteen has had a trial, so no mm-hmm. one has been proven guilty of burglary since this has began. Yeah, trials uh, are paused. <laughs> well, I can report that shoplifting's down because I went to the <laughs> QFC the other day and uh, all the, there was plenty of cube steak for me to purchase, and that's our local safe Seattle barometer for shoplifting. Also, like cube most stores are closed. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not a lot of shops to lift from at this point. Yeah, when people genuinely, genuinely are staying home, like there are less people out. Oh, yeah. So I think that even goes for the uh, the burglars, I guess. And also, but, there's like know. always um, like huge seasonal trends in crime. Mm-hmm. Um, warm weather is like notorious for gun violence and other types of crimes. So I don't think that you could like attribute that to like COVID nineteen or like the release of people from custody. I think that would be a huge leap. Um, I'm sure, obviously, I'm sure you've all seen this, the statistic that, like, it was the first March in history without a school shooting, yeah. just because March was canceled. Yeah, I think it was, like, since 2002, which is, right. I mean, really <laughs> astonishing to think about. Like, really I, I graduated in, 
yeah, I graduated high school in 2001. So just to think that like every since year. my graduation, basically <laughs> every March. March I'm and I'm pretty sure it's just like a month. random month. Like yeah. I don't think March is really yeah. especially... Yeah. Uh, school no. tutor. It's just the only month we've had so far yeah. that we've been. Well, April, April, we might get through April without one too. You know, <laughs> right? Like, Almost me. No schools open, but homeschool shooting maybe. Damn, but they probably yeah. <laughs> that probably be like justified. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I'm also saying that domestic violence rates are allegedly up, um, but that's also a bit understandable. And yeah, that these, that is a lot more believable yes, than I the burglary rate. I'll tell yeah. you that much. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just the amount of time people are spending with people they live with but i mean it's it's the whole like people's whole situations have changed in probably a lot of um a lot of domestic situations that are just like not what they were that's probably exposing people to a lot of uh vulnerability there absolutely and i think that there's um plenty of research that shows that when people are financially insecure oh yeah domestic violence rises so you're saying when uh, outside forces stress your relationship <laughs> or stress you to a high degree, these things tend to happen? Interesting. Somehow. <laughs> well, it sounds like capitalism's working. Yeah, this has definitely shown it to be the flawless system, and we should just let it run its course. <laughs> it could definitely handle a crisis. We figured that out. <laughs> Let's say fair. <laughs> so what's your... Uh, what, do you want to weigh in on the uh, marches and various state capitals? You know, are you sort of like a constitutional originalist when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, plagues and pandemics? I mean, I'm certainly not. But I do think that, um, like, <laughs> I do think it's complicated, I guess, because I think that mm-hmm. they're fucking idiots um, for basically protesting for their God-given right to die from this illness and or, like, expose everyone else to it which is, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't get down with. But I do think that, um, like, in the context of what we were just talking about, the criminal justice system, um, suspending due process for the greater good is really troubling, um, which is basically Mm -hmm. what's happening. They're saying that, you know, it's against public health to have trials, so you can't have one. Um, And it's like, how long is that going to be palatable for? Like, I think that we were, uh, public defenders were relieved by the court order at first because, it was feeling very upsetting and dangerous uh, to both our clients and ourselves to continue uh, to have business as usual where you're going into the jail, going to court every day um, for both, mm-hmm. for everyone. It seemed extremely foolish and dangerous. So we, we were wanting the courts to do something and to cancel um, a lot of hearings. But at the same time, it's like, it's so scary to think about being accused of a crime right now um, and not having access to justice. Yeah, you know, because we've built this like giant torture machine and now we're saying, uh, you know, even the few checks we have on it, uh, they're all they're all going to take a, a month off, you know, or whatever, right. You know. So I kind of see it's, the a little bit of that in the, you know, protests, which are obviously mostly people who I can't sympathize with at all. But um, mm-hmm. the impulse to be like, we can't really trust the government to suspend our personal rights mm-hmm. um, indefinitely think- without any like input from us. And I think with some of them too, I think like the most charitable sort of like description you give is that this is the product of having a political imagination in the public that is exactly zero, right? That moves like, you know, can move exactly one inch to the left and right of like neoliberal capitalism. And, you know, it's not like they were born with like zero political imagination. That was skillfully cultivated like at every level of society. And it's just 
very depressing to see, you know, to see it in action now. It's like, this is all you can imagine from the state at this point is the demand to let you go back to work so you can die at the Arby's. I mean, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> well, so you can, I think a lot of these people, uh, you know, protesting are really protesting that, you know, they want their employees to go back to work. You yeah, know? I, like, I, I think that's the I think that's the core base of it, and, which fuck but, them. Yeah, but. Well, fuck them. But on the other hand, I mean, also like, look, I mean, yeah, look, these are your your classic like Tea Party shitheads, your MAGA shuds. But like, you know, they're not. We don't have a. They are not getting the same information that we are. They just aren't. Uh, they're listening to you know if they're watching Fox right. News and conservative radio like. They're not. Okay. E- they're not being told. E- they're not even really being told the details of this crisis, what it's doing, how it works, uh, how serious it is, what the considerations are, the reason. All they're getting is sort of this, you know, right wing sort of Trump cover. And you know, I mean, absent a- any, uh, absent any of the re- like relevant sort of information about this, like, I mean, you know, what conclusions would you come to? I don't know. I don't yeah. have any sympathy for these they, people, but I mean, it's it's a problem of our entire like society. Like, we don't have a system for communicating to everybody things that need to be communicated. We don't have a press that does that, certainly. And I would I would guess that a lot of people who think this is bullshit are like not powerful people. <laughs> like, they probably are like mm-hmm. not highly educated. Not uh, yeah, those probably, pre- pre- pe- those probably aren't the ones protesting for the most part, but they probably are. You know, sitting. At home, right. it's a whole what's going on and like not understand voted yeah. for Trump. It's like, are they evil or are they wrong or what's the yeah? Well, I mean, as far as, yeah. Well, as far as I think, like, I think the protesters are, you know, the classic joke is that the like hot tub fucking salesman and shit, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, they have a ski do dealership, but like. You know, I, I think the thing is, is duly noted about like the information they get. And I'm always reminded of I think it was in 2006 when there was a big immigration hearing. Um, Rupert Murdoch gave testimony in front of the Senate about how that they should go with like much more lenient immigration laws. And when they asked him, like, well, that's weird because on your network, uh, you know, that's not the position that you've been spouting. And Murdoch was just like, well, yeah, I mean, Fox News, that's for some groups. And what I'm saying is for others, basically, you know? And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they're able to whip up this sort of, uh, this class of people probably really aren't even benefiting all that much from Trump getting elected. But right. uh, they got them whipped up and they think it's China or I don't know what the latest conspiracy is. China, though China, China is, China is they, I think they have landed, landed, the right has landed at like Trump's sort of urging slowly over time on the China thing. Um, and the thing is, like, it's going to work, uh, you know, as bad as this gets, even if this is a total like cataclysm and, you know, millions of people die, that's not going to get through to Trump country, not in time for the election. Anyway, this these things have long <laughs> scale. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we will. I think I think we'll have uh, something. I think we will have something that passes for an election that gets Trump reelected. Um <laughs> Uh, because both parties are going to go into this thinking they're going to win. So that's, they're definitely going to have an election. Uh, so like, but even to, no matter how bad this is, Trump can still stand there and say, I'm doing a good job. And that's what his base is going to hear. And they're not going to be convinced even with mass disaster, except over a very long period of time. And that, that timescale is not 
what's happening now. You know, I I can imagine this going very bad and then this economy completely crashing and not coming back like total economic catastrophe. And I think if that happens, you know, you will see Trump potentially leave with, uh, you know, leave office with the sort of lowest possible approval ratings at the end of his second term. <laughs> Which is just yeah. like too little, too late. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's not gonna, yeah. it doesn't, it's too, um, it's not a long enough timescale for people to absorb and really like have reality break through and look, go look for some different answer. You know, when, if this, if a bunch of people they know die and their entire like economic reality is crushed and it's been like that for two, three years and they realize it's not coming back. Well, then you have to start looking and Donald Trump's been saying the same things the whole time. Well, then maybe, maybe you have to start looking around for a different answer. But, you know, that takes a long time to get there. But I think that's why it's tempting to blame China because um, it's the othering, right? So that, like, people can mm-hmm. have an outside enemy. Oh, it's very great. Difficult to, but I think it's... that also goes back to our conversation about, like, how people tend to not give a shit about uh, <laughs> those in custody or incarcerated um, mm-hmm. or accused of crimes. It just It's easy to other them and it's easy to say, well, if they hadn't committed the crime, then they wouldn't be in the cesspool yeah. of the jail. So I think that yeah. we have a kind of yeah we have a, a sick world out there and people have really I, I don't know how to describe it other than just disgusting or backwards ways of uh, blaming others for conditions that are largely you know the purposeful design of someone more powerful than that yeah, well, I think that's the kind of uplifting message that uh, we like to close out on here <laughs> these times. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to uh, mention or uh, get out there, Tanya? Um, that the stimulus checks are rolling in and a bail fund is a great <laughs> place to deposit yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot yeah, of people who are getting stuff. stimulus yeah. checks are luckily um, somewhat unaffected. I think everyone's going to be affected in some ways, but uh, are still you know, getting the same salary they got two months ago. And if that applies to you, consider donating to the Northwest Bail Fund. There's a bunch in New York City. There's like a national one. Philly has a great one. Um, I think that now more than ever, it's, more, it's very important to get people out of jail. Also, we didn't even start talking about the fact that there's a bunch of cases in the ICE prison. Um, in Tacoma mm-hmm. and across the country, the people who are literally not accused of any crime other than existing um, are held mm-hmm. on bail or without bail and are being exposed to these same conditions. Uh, so we should try to get those folks out also. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And we'll put a, a link on the show for that as well as a link to you. You were on the show previously. We talked about the criminal justice system back then. I think you thought it was going great. And, you know, <laughs> man has a changed my you. personality getting more <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a link to that as well so that uh, people can uh, you know, check that out. Uh, is there anything you wanted to add, Greg? No, no. This. Thank you so much for coming on. Codename Tanya. This has been a really uh, yeah, uplifting conversation. Um, always good to hear about, uh, how you're, uh, winning the good fight there, uh, in our, uh, police state system. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. And hopefully in the future, uh, we'll be able to open the boat studio back up again and we'll have to have you back. Yeah. I am depressed that I don't get to be, uh, on the water right now, but hopefully I'll get my cruise soon. I promise. (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll be <laughs> we'll be going out on the water uh, as soon as this is all all over, everybody. As soon as it's all over, we'll be fleeing. I'll see you May fifth by, by water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Okay, cool. I think it's actually technically May sixth. That's when we can go back. But yeah, we're all going to crowd onto the boat as many <laughs> people as we can. Sink it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. And uh, I guess I, I don't think we have any information to share about patrons. So you know, do better as always, our <laughs> listeners. Do yeah, better. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Or people aren't paying for your show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the unemployment st- uh, stuff is going to start rolling in too. So uh, all you unemployed people, you might start getting no excuses. Come on. Soon. Yeah. Exactly. You're back to the 29th. So. Yeah, we can't. This country cannot stomach a podcast uh, recession. So make sure that you're <laughs> getting out and paying that Patreon. <laughs> Do your part. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, we'll see everybody later. Uh, bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>